Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan. How's it going? Going well. It's uh, It's been a good week here in Nashville. I know you guys are getting ready for graduation out at Southeastern, and I saw uh, Southern is getting ready as well. Uh, I've seen two or three other uh, seminaries that they're all trying to get ready for graduation this year. Yeah, so that's always a, a fun week, and um, it's kind of, this one is, is fun um, just because you've got graduation, and then it's kind of festive. When they have the graduation reception at the president's home, um, everything's decorated for Christmas. It's just a really festive time. Does anybody uh, decorate their gowns or, or hats with any Christmas stuff? Like put like no, blinking Christmas lights don't. on it? No? No, they don't. Is that frowned and, upon? Uh, you know, I'm not going to say anything about whether that should happen because I don't want to be responsible for giving any ideas. Oh, okay. Well, I'll give the ideas. If anybody wants to decorate their, now, their mortarboard, give me a call. We can help you out. No, no decoration, no air horns during the ceremony, nothing like that. Okay. All right. Well, speaking of seminaries, uh, we're glad to have once again our sponsor this week located in Louisville, Kentucky. The Southern Baptist Theological Seminary is committed to training future pastors, missionaries, and gospel leaders. You can learn more about undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral programs at Southern by visiting sbts.edu. Amy, we're jumping straight into the news this week. We have a new chairman of the board at IMB. Yeah, this is kind of a big deal because that does not normally happen. No, to have not, not a, at this time of year. Right, to have a transition um, or to have a chairman to step down um, and have a transition in sort of midterm. But there's a, there's a good reason for it. Yes. Hans Dilbeck, who we talked about last week on the podcast, he has stepped down from his duties at the IMB uh, on the board there as chairman uh, as he is taking the Oklahoma State Baptist executive role. So that means Rick Dunbar has been named his successor. Dunbar was the vice chairman of the board. And now he becomes chairman. Yeah. And uh, Rick Dunbar is a member. He's a First Baptist Church in Madison, Mississippi. He's an emergency medicine uh, physician, so emergency room doctor. And uh, so this is a layman who is chairman of the board. Yes, he is. Uh, I know Rick has a, a history of uh, missions work as well uh, through his uh, medical practice. He goes overseas, does a lot of medical missions. Uh, I've heard uh, great things about that as well. So that's something I know the IMB uh, works alongside uh, groups in other countries with. So uh, congratulations to Rick. And uh, we, we hate to see Dr. Dobek go, but we understand why. So uh, yes, headed back absolutely. to Oklahoma so. to, to focus on all things Oklahoman. I'm not quite yes, sure what all things Oklahoman are, but I guess it involves a schooner and um, oil rigs. I don't know. I I don't know. I haven't spent a ton of time in Oklahoma, but we rightly, again, as always, appreciate the work of the International Mission Board. And um, sometimes we think about that just in terms of the physical building in Richmond and the, the folks who are there every day who we greatly appreciate. But we also are very indebted to the members of the International Mission Board, to those uh, trustees who are all over the country and um, have been entrusted with this work by Southern Baptist churches. And we really appreciate uh, their contribution of their own time uh, for that. And so we are uh, in prayer for Rick Dunbar. Speaking of contributions, Amy, National yes. CP, it's the first of the month. So that means it's time for CP discussion. It is down 
5.67% under budget. Yeah, so it's below um, the projection for the first two months of the fiscal year. Um, so our as of November 30th, that's sort of the cutoff um, for this calculation. Gifts received totaled 30 million, uh, and then we'll be specific, 30 million, 185,000, 535 dollars and 65 cents. And that's about 14,000 below uh, what was received last year at this same time. And that's also significantly below the budget projection. Yeah, 32 million is a budget projection. So we're just a shade under 2 million underneath that. So uh, we, we started off slow last year in CP. Right. And caught up. So. Uh, you know, we'll have to keep an eye out and see if that happens again. I mean, we're, we're pretty much flat with last year's giving over the first two months. And we know that timing and all this kind of thing works into it. And uh, we'll have some changes because of CP allocation uh, from the states after the first of the year and their budget. So we'll keep an eye out on this and, uh, and nothing to get too alarmed over yet, just because this is basically where we were last year and we finished way above budget anyway. So sure. uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. All right. Moving on, we have some research, Amy, a couple of pieces of research. We're going to spend some more time on one just talking about the, the topic uh, as, as much as we're talking about the research. But uh, we have something on Israel and another one on evangelical labels. So we'll start with Israel, Amy. Overall, what is your perception of the country of Israel today? That was the question asked to Americans with evangelical beliefs. Uh, the positives were about 50% on very positive or positive somewhat positive 17%. Uh, so about two-thirds of evangelical Americans uh, have a positive view of Israel. The interesting thing about this survey was how the age demographic broke down. Um, that's sort of the fascinating thing. So about, as you said, um, two-thirds you know, were saying positive perception of the country of Israel today. Uh, it's when we start to get into the other questions that um, it becomes very, very interesting. So there were questions like, what statement best represents your personal views on Israel? 24% um, said, I support the existence, security, and prosperity of the state of Israel, no matter what Israel does. Then 42% said, I support the existence, security, and prosperity of the state of Israel, but don't feel the need to support everything Israel does. Uh, now, only 1% said they do not support uh, the existence, security, and prosperity of the well, state of that's Israel. Good. That's not a huge surprise. Yeah, and that's not a huge surprise. But 32%, this is actually pretty high um, for American evangelicals. Uh, Considering you know recent history, history over the past fifty years, this is a pretty high number. Thirty-two percent say I have no strong views about the state of Israel. That's a massive shift. All right, how so? Because the issue of Israel, um, for generations before us, uh, has been a huge piece of discussion. It's been a huge part of the discussion in um, America and American foreign policy and just kind of uh, uh, among Americans in general, the Middle East peace process was kind of at the center of how we would engage with that uh, part of the world. And then among um, Christians, really all, all uh, Christian denominations in, in, uh, in particular, that was a big discussion. And so the fact that we've gotten to a point where 32% say, I was kind of whatever, 
it, you would not have seen that 25 years ago. Okay. You absolutely would not have. So I, I think that's very interesting. Now, so Amy, do you think it's the issue? The issue is mainly because evangelicals of our age really have not known anything else other than Israel being around. I mean, there it's been an established state our entire lives. Yes, there have been conflicts. Yes, there have been issues, uh, especially I remember the Gulf War. But, you know, America stood with Israel during the Gulf War at the same time. And, you know, when uh, Saddam was throwing scuds their way, we had Patriot missiles stationed all over Israel. Um, it's just something that we've been kind of accustomed to. Do you think it's just this is born out of just familiarity? Um, maybe. This article that we have, uh, we have a Baptist Press article. It was one that was actually released by the folks at Lifeway. Bob Smetana wrote it. Uh, it's very, very good. Everything he writes is is excellent. I actually think uh, there's a, a quote in here from from Daryl Bach, who is at uh, DTS. I think I think he sort of hits hits on it. I think the shift that came, possibly with the Gulf War with Saddam Hussein. Um, but even more with 9/11 means that when people think about the Middle East they think they they think about something different than this um i i think that issues about uh surrounding terrorism just the impact of of those things and there just is so much more going on in the Middle East um now we're living in the day where Al Qaeda, ISIS, you know, all these groups, we we're talking about them more. Nobody's talking about, I mean, nobody's talking about the PLO, which it's not even a, you know, kind of a different, things are different now, but nobody's talking about the that Palestinian Liberation Arafat, Organization. Yeah, that was. Um, some of this is hard for me to think through, just to be honest, because, um, because this was an area I, that was a big part of my major in college. So I studied a lot of this and I think about a lot of this. Um, so I, my, I would not have said, you know, I have no strong views. I mean, I, that wouldn't have been my answer that has to do with, with what I studied. And so I don't feel like I am, can necessarily be a typical representation of people in our age bracket, but I think Daryl box onto something here that whereas before sort of the news that, focused on that area of the world was about this all the time. And so then when we would talk about it from sort of a Christian perspective, we're still just thinking about this part um, of, of the world and this issue in the Middle East, the, the peace process or, you know, where Israel sort of fits into all of that. It just isn't a major discussion now. And it, it and uh, these other things are, I think that's, I think that's a huge piece. I also think that popularity or the trend of talking about eschatology um, in the church it isn't as big. We just don't talk about it as much as perhaps in decades past. And the question of Israel is a huge part of that discussion as well. So it's not that we don't talk about it at all, but you hear about decades ago that there were all these studies about it. Tons of you know churches were doing these um, these eschatology classes, have all these books. And uh, this question is a part of that, too. So I think in the news, we weren't we're not talking about it like we used to in the church. We're not talking about it like we used to. I think it just makes for uh, just a different understanding. But this this article is very interesting. Um, it it breaks that out, but it also breaks down things about, you know, the right of the Jewish people to live in the sovereign state of Israel. It talks about whether uh, who has a historic right um, to Israel 
It talks about um, Palestinians, what Christians should do, how they should um, love and care for Palestinians, uh, things like that. Uh, one one note that I, I found very interesting is we had a um, we had someone that that presented in a chapel service a couple of years ago, and this was someone um, from the Arab world and talked about a um, a retreat that a Christian church had done um, and it had uh, Palestinians and uh, Israeli Christians that were off at this retreat and this experience of sort of this tension that had been uh, that they're living in, but them being away and having the reality sink in that what connected them, uh, which is their, uh, their belief in Christ uh, being bigger than these sort of uh, issues, political issues that divided them, and I, I think, I think that's that's something in all of this to sort of keep in mind that you know that for everyone uh, involved in this process on either side, uh, we, we do have a sense of what we believe is sort of the hope uh, that we have to share, and that's something that brings a common thread either way. But um, Anyway, this this study is very interesting. We're going to put the link in there. Uh, drill down, uh, check it out, see what all of the the answers were. It certainly does show a little bit of a transition in the way people are thinking about this. Yeah, and I, I think we, we also need to mention that the reason this is so important right now is because of the uh, Trump administration's declaration of Jerusalem becoming the, uh, the recognized capital of Israel instead of uh, Tel Aviv uh, that happened this week. So this has kind of brought it back to the forefront. Uh, a lot of discussion on Israel, uh, both you know in in the research here that we have, but also in the in the news this week. Yeah, so that's definitely something that we we are talking about. I've seen people talk about. You know, another thing we'll throw in the link in the show notes, just because it's very interesting. Um, we have a great resource that we don't talk about a whole lot, but at sbc.net, uh, you can search for every resolution that oh, yeah. every Southern Baptist Convention has passed going back to the beginning. And so I just ran a, a little search in there because you can search uh, years. Uh, it's it's resolutions from 1845 to 2017. Um, you can search years that you want to look at. You can also search keywords. So I just ran a search for um, Israel and we have passed nine uh, resolutions that mention Israel. Yeah, the first one just one, a couple of years ago. Yes, the first one uh, was in 1873, and the most recent one uh, was uh, in 2016. Now, obviously, the one in 1873 is a little bit different because yeah. there was not there was no Israel, you know, right, political well, state, not a modern yeah. day, not modern day yeah. um, Israel. So it would have been referring to um, Palestine, right? Ancient. It w- well, it w- I think it was referring to, it was on anti-Semitism, so oh, okay. it was referring to ancient Israel. But I feel um, like we're in that episode of the West Wing where Charlie gives the president the map of Palestine, and, yeah, and he can't yes, hang it up. Right. Um, but uh, anyway, going to the resolution in 2016 on prayer and support um, for Israel, uh, the, the one in the last uh, few years, there was one on the celebration of Israel's 60th anniversary in 2008, one on praying for peace in the Middle East in 2002. So those were ones that were um, were more recent. Um, but I think I think that's very interesting. So we'll throw that uh, little query search into the show notes 
as well, just so you can see that. Um, and, uh, and look and see what Southern Baptists have said about this so we can begin to understand here, here have been sort of our positions over the years. And then as you watch what's happening in the news and, and you try to understand, it's a very complicated um, issue. And I don't think we're done just because this uh, decision to make this decision to move the American embassy there uh, has happened. Uh, there's a lot of discussion left in terms of foreign policy uh, because this is a very, very complex issue. But anyway, uh, interesting week. All right. Well, we have some other news and research from Lifeway Research uh, about evangelical beliefs and identity and how they don't really match uh, with one another. So people say they're evangelical, but their actual actions and don't match up with their beliefs. The important part of this is a few years ago, uh, Lifeway developed uh, with the National Association of Evangelicals a set of four questions that help identify, that connect with the definition of evangelicals. So if you agree with these things, then you agree with evangelical beliefs. So what this survey did was take those questions that had been developed a while back, ask people these questions, and then also you know, ask, are you an evangelical Christian, to really see how that matches up. Um, about self-identified evangelicals and then strongly agree with evangelical beliefs with what the traditional um, or with what the most recent definition of evangelical really has meant. Um, so this is a good, we'll throw that in there as well. This is a, a really helpful survey to see as we navigate through this discussion, what is an evangelical? People are talking about casting off the label. Uh, so check that out as well. All right. We have a, a one more uh, state convention annual meeting recap, Amy, down to Florida, and uh, we've got, a, a, I think, maybe a couple more that are still outstanding, but we, we pretty much rolled through them, so uh, my checklist is almost complete. We're still missing a couple. But 1,319 registered attendees uh, showed up at Bell Shoals Baptist Church to unanimously pass a budget of $30 million for 2018, with 51% going on to national causes. Uh, excellent. They also had very interesting, had a sermon completely in Spanish yeah. this year. Seen that a couple um, that places kind of this year. Cool, yeah, that was kind of a cool, um, cool little fact. Uh, Stephen Rummage, who is the pastor of Bell Shoals, and he's currently the president of Florida Baptist State Convention. We've had him on the podcast before. He does a lot of things in SBC life as well as state convention life there. Uh, he was nominated to serve a second term as president and uh, unanimously reelected. Uh, same for the first vice president, Javier Sotolongo uh, from Iglesia Bautista Estrella de De Bayon in uh, Hialeah Gardens, and then Ralph Alderman Jr. as um, second vice president. He's a lay leader at Exciting Central Tampa Baptist Church. Uh, then Randy Huckabee from First Baptist Church in Dade City is recording secretary for next year. So it uh, looks like they had a really great meeting. That'll bring us to our final news story of the week, some sad news. Marvin Watson, the former DBU president, uh, passed away this past week. Yeah, so former president of Dallas Baptist University, but also former aide to uh, Lyndon Johnson, president of the United States. And, and he was postmaster, postmaster general. general. I wonder yeah, if you get a fancy so, uniform for that, like stars and bars, or or is it not? I bet you don't. I bet you I don't. I bet you don't. But that would be an interesting fact to yeah. know. So um, certainly a, a major person in um, Baptist life, particularly in Texas, but also uh, in the United States. One of those that a lot of times we don't know all of the different staffers, but uh, he played 
a big role. And so he died November 26th um, and uh, at the age of 93. All right, Amy, that's going to bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right, we're going to go to 1988. So I've got an issue of Baptist Press, um, and it's a long issue. So when you click on the link, you need to go to scroll down to page nine. Um, that is reports that on December 6th, the trustees of Samford University approved uh, the new name um, for their divinity school oh. to be the Beeson School of Divinity. Wow, that's kind of cool. Yes. Yeah, so it was uh, honoring Ralph Waldo Beeson of Birmingham, Alabama, um, who uh, was uh, the university, Samford University's greatest donor was what how he was described. Um, and he was announced as sort of the anonymous donor who had provided for the Divinity School. The Divinity School had opened uh, that fall in 1988 with a class of 32. And so December 6th was when it was actually named for uh, Beeson. Samford is a, a Baptist institution up until this year uh, connected with the state convention, um, but the, the Beeson School of Divinity uh, was established to be interdenominational, so it's not one of our Southern Baptist seminaries, but it certainly has roots and, and ties, and uh, we know you and I have friends that are at, at Beeson Divinity School, and we have friends that are graduates of Beeson Divinity School. It's a really great place. Timothy George is the uh, is the dean um, does uh, does great work training uh, pastors and those uh, in different areas of ministry. I work for a former adjunct professor at Beeson. Divinity you, I'm School. sorry, you what? I work for a former adjunct professor at Beeson Divinity School. You know, when you first said that, I thought you said I was a no. former adjunct professor, and I thought this is a totally different part of your life we need to explore. No, um, but I work for a former one. Okay. Dr. Rayner, before yes, he went do. to um, Southern, had taught some classes at Beeson. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I have definitely have friends that have graduated there, and we have friends that work there and things. So it's a, it's a great, uh, great, great school doing fantastic work. Um, but they have had a, you know, a big week. And in some ways, Beeson uh, really all started this week in SBC history. Very cool. That's uh, kind of neat. And they've only had one dean in their history. And uh, yes. it's Dr. George. And he, he's kind of a legend yes. down there. And uh, yes. so, yeah, I mean, he, he's quite well known and a good friend to Southern Baptists as well. Yes, absolutely. All right. That's going to move us to our resource of the week. And uh, like we've talked about throughout the month of December, uh, we're going to be sharing our My Lottie stories uh, from our social media account. And uh, we've got the audio of one of these right now. This one from J.D. Greer. My first experience with the Lottie Moon Christmas offering was as a missionary with the uh, IMB over in Southeast Asia when um, the generosity of Southern Baptist people um, all across the country enabled us to uh, not just do the bare minimum in ministry there in Southeast Asia, but to really do some some innovative things. Um, the gratefulness that I felt for not having to raise money to be able to focus on uh, just preaching the gospel there was something that um, in the churches I grew up in, we just didn't have that system. And so uh, it, it was it was a great benefit. Um, when I came back and God led me to be a pastor, I knew that I was supposed to pastor a church that uh, 
impacted the mission field. And one of the very first things we did is we said, we're going to take up the largest Lottie Moon Christmas offering that has ever been taken in the history of the church. And so uh, we ended up giving, I can't remember the exact amount that year, but I did get a plaque later uh, from the uh, president of, of the IMB at the time, Jerry Rankin, that telling us that we were the highest per capita giving church in the, in the SBC. Um, since then, um, we have every year just said, how can we uh, take some of the first and the best that God has given us and be able to enable Southern Baptist missionaries all across uh, the world to be able to um, not have not have one more thing to worry about, um, but to be able to focus their attention on believing God for great things in the hearts of the people that they're um, that they're that they're working in. William Carey uh, famously said when he was sent over um, that famous story where he said, "I'll go dangle on the end of the rope." Um, if you're willing to, he said this to the churches in England, you're willing to hold securely to your end. Um, and so this is our way. Uh, I, once I got to dangle at the end of the rope, and now we get to make sure, um, as a, a pastor in America, I get to make sure that we're holding on to this securely so that other people can do their work effectively. All right. That's a great, um, great story. We're so grateful uh, to J.D. Greer for sharing that story with us. Um, this is a really fun sort of uh, project that's out there, and we're excited uh, for how the IMB is getting uh, resources out there to talk about uh, Lottie Moon. And, and we have some links not only to uh, these different videos, but also to some, some resources that the IMB is putting out there sharing um, different things about Lottie Moon. I saw a fantastic video this week of Lori McDaniel from the IMB okay. asking asking people, I think she may have been at the Lifeway Women's Forum. She's at a women's conference going up and asking random people, uh, do you know who Lottie Moon is? So like a man on the street type interview you'd see on a, a late night show or something. Yes, and okay. it, it's fantastic. So in addition to these uh, videos that we've you know collected from some of our friends, um, we've also got some other resources about uh, Lottie Moon. So we're going to throw those in the show notes as well. Uh, lots of fun. And so join in as well. I mean, send send videos our way. We've, we're using the hashtag MyLottieStory. Um, IMB also is using the hashtag OurLMCO because the Lottie Moon Christmas offering uh, is something that belongs to all of us um, to share, to go to the ends of the earth. And uh, so use those hashtags and um, throw your video out there as well. Let's all tell our Lottie stories. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week on the podcast. Uh, Amy, I know you've got uh, graduation and you get kind of a lull there at the seminary. Some quiet days maybe uh, before those J yes. terms crank up after the first of the year. Uh, so uh, congratulations to all our SBC seminary graduates, wherever you may be. Uh, at any of our seminaries. If you're graduating, we're grateful that uh, you spent some time at one of our Southern Baptist seminaries, and uh, congratulations on your achievement. So as always, stick with us online throughout the week, and uh, we will be providing information if uh, anything breaks during the week on our Twitter feed and Facebook page, as well as sharing those Lottie stories uh, that we've collected. Uh, those drop typically every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and on Sundays as well. So we're putting about four a week out, uh, and uh, we've got a, a bunch in the can here, so we'll be getting those out over the next few weeks uh, before Christmas. So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. See you next week.